it's never easy. And, you know, I was speaking to Neil earlier that I, you know, in my head, ending my career coming off a year of injury was especially hard. But looking back on it, there's no easy way to call it a day. And even if you look at Tom Brady after 20 years and winning a Super Bowl, he still can't call it a day. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's hard, man. It's all you've known for the past 10 years, 15 years if you count college or uh, 14 years if you count college. And I've been on a strict schedule and I've always had something to work towards. And now, you know, I'm closing that chapter and looking you know, forward to something else. And I think that, you know, it's, it's never easy. I, I told Neil earlier that I think it's important that I retire on my own terms and I retire from the game before the game retires me. And so it's been tough, but sometimes you just kind of have to let those things go and, uh, you know, look forward to the future. Thanks for downloading the Transatlantic Sports Show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, by the way, at T-A-S-S underscore UK. I'm Anthony Woodson at A-R Woodson, W-O-O-T-T-O-N on social media. I'm stood in the offices of NFL UK overlooking Leicester Square. And I can see below preparations in place for the premiere of the latest Top Gun movie, the new movie starring Tom Cruise coming out this week. There's actually a fighter jet looking down there in Leicester Square. The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge will be alongside Tom Cruise in just a few days' time, or it may have happened by the time you've listened to this, but this isn't about that Maverick. This is about our very own beloved Maverick of the NFL. I'm sure Jack Crawford won't mind me saying that. Former defensive end now drafted in 2012 by the Oakland Raiders, fifth round pick made that sack and force fumble at Wembley Stadium in 2014 his career really progressed with the Cowboys and then the Atlanta Falcons he talks about Dan Quinn and the influence he had on his NFL career special episode all about Jack I'm very fortunate to be here in the NFL UK offices we sat in a boardroom so just picture the big NFL boardroom here in London Jack is sat opposite. You're going to hear Neil Reynolds as well because he hosted a call with a few of us from NFL media here in Britain. A couple of us were able to attend in person. So if Jack seems distant, I'm sat opposite him with my microphone in my hand, leaning across this big table as he's talking to everybody else on a Zoom call. So you'll hear laughter. You'll hear Neil Reynolds talking a few times. So don't get confused. This is the Transatlantic Sports Show. I just wanted to give you that heads up. So if you think that Jack Crawford sounds a little bit off mic and a little bit distant, it's just because we're sat in this huge boardroom. So let's get started, shall we? This is all about Jack Crawford. And as you can hear, when we sat in that boardroom and he discussed his career with all of us, there's a real sense of reflection for him. You know, it's tough and it's... um... You know, it's kind of cliche, but it, it, it feels like it flew by, you know. Mm. It feels like just yesterday I was flying over to the States, you know, trying to pursue a basketball career in at 16 years old. Now, 33 years old, you know, 17 years later, I'm a... Man, it's been a, a roller coaster. It's been an unbelievable journey. And, um, you know, I get, you know, I think you, you truly, as a player, you truly don't appreciate it mm. until you're in this position and you realise, you know, this is it. You're not going to be suiting up for a game again. You're not going out there with the, the, you know, the ambition to kind of hit the court back again and you know do what your job has been for the past, really, 14 years if you mm. count college. I wouldn't trade a minute. 
10 years as a professional in the NFL is a huge achievement for any player, regardless of their nationality. So what are the keys to Jack's success? You know, you, you have to keep an open mind. And one of the biggest, one of the biggest keys, and I would say this for any prospective player or kid, you know, in high school or a young kid who wants to play uh, football, you have to be coachable. And it doesn't matter if you're coming from the UK or the United States. And a lot of kids go into the sport who they have ego. But you have to be coachable. You have to say yes to every opportunity that comes your way. And so, you know, I never turned down a job. There's some jobs on the field that aren't that glamorous, you know, special teams, everything. And, you know, kids, certain kids would get upset when they get an opportunity to play special teams. I was never one of those guys. I would say I would do it. Even if I didn't like doing it, I would go out there, try my best, and coaches like that. And then another key I would say is just effort, man. I played with 100% effort every single time. And I went from a position of not knowing how to play the game, being out of position, being uh, behind the ball, you know, but my effort helped carry me through all of that to kind of becoming a starter in the league, mm -hmm. you know, even with Tennessee later in the league, you know, they had guys that we wanted to start, but they didn't quite understand the game yet. And so I ended up starting most of the games, but even from there, I was still working on my game, putting effort forward to the point where, you know, everybody's kind of cheering you on, they accept you onto the team and you make them a better play, make them a better team. More preparations in place, by the way. I'm overlooking Leicester Square. Just keeping you updated on the fighter jet that's down there for the Top Gun premiere. I wonder if Prince William will fly in, in a helicopter. I don't know. We'll find out. Back to Jack Crawford. And Jack embarked on his career in American sport with hopes of playing hoops. Before long, though, his football skills had been spotted. And as a student at Penn State University, he remains thankful for the support he was given along the way. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there have been a lot of people who have um, I've become very friendly with. You know, a lot of people who, you know, have supported me along the way. I would say as far as being having that much impact on me and kind of helping support me to that point, there's only been a few and that's just been circumstance. But the D'Andrea family, they, they brought me in and they treated me like a son from day one. And obviously me and my family are forever grateful, but they're a, a huge Italian family, you know, typical New Jersey Italian family that you see in the, the movies. Um, but they, um, they brought me in and they, yeah, they've treated me like a son since day one and we'll take big family pictures and it would be all these Italians and then me. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, you know, they, they've had a you know, profound influence on me just as a, as, a, as a person. And I would say along with them, there've been a couple, a couple people, you know, a couple coaches I would say that have had such an impact on me who I still stay in touch with to this day that have, uh, you know, really helped me develop not only as a player, but, uh, you know, as a, as a person, as a man, as a human being, to kind of, you know, look at life a little bit differently, you know, and, and help kind of grow. And, you know, hopefully kind of I, I can pass that on to the, to the next up and coming generation. So as a latecomer to the game, was there a moment when Jack finally sat back and thought, hey, you know what, I've got this. I've worked it out. Yeah, I would say uh, probably the second year into my uh, co into my contract with the Falcons, I think that you know I had 
had adjusted to the speed of the game, which I struggled with at first, and the physicality of the game. And, you know, football's never perfect. I was still raw. I was still learning technique as a player. I'll still get better. But there are aspects to the game which are, you know, taking it to the, to the next level, understanding formations, understanding where players, certain players on the offense are lined up. And if you can put that together quickly before a play, it just helps your chances of making the best guess, you know, as a, as a defensive player, you know, because a lot of defense is guessing and then reacting to, to your guess, but you have to do it 100, uh, 100%. You have to go full speed. And um, for me, you know, I had the full speed part down, but my guessing was often it could be off. And I think along with, you know, Dan Quinn's help, the head coach of the Falcons at the time, he took the time with me and helped me develop as a player, helped me understand where people are lined up and, you know, how to give myself the best chance. And um, it ended up paying off, man. And, it, and I often was a guy in a room that young players would come up to, young American kids would come up to and be like, well, how, do, how did you know that was going to happen? You know, how did you, uh, why did you do that? And it was a weird, uh, almost surreal experience being a kid from London who was always behind, <laughs> trying to play catch up, to kind of being a vet in the room and being someone that people look to for advice. 165 tackles, uh, 18 sacks. Would the most memorable one of those be at Wembley? That Wembley one, where you got the, it was a forced fumble as well. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? That's a tough question because there are there have been some memorable plays. Um, I would say it would be between that and then sacking Tom Brady at home for the Cowboys. But, yeah, I would say that that was probably the most memorable play because it was in front of my family back here in London. A lot of my friends back here, you know, they all came out to support. Um, that was my first real sack. And it was pure effort. And for me, it was almost like... It was almost like destiny at that point because, you know, it was my first game playing back here in my hometown and getting my first sack at a forced fumble. Um, you know, you, it was, you can't get better than that. So it felt like it was, it was fate. I remember seeing you at the, um, the Saracen Stadium when the, the Cowboys were warming up uh, practicing ahead of that game in 2014. And here we are eight years later, you know, you're, yeah. you've had a 10 year NFL career. Have you noticed the change over here with, with the fans, the knowledge of the fans and the whole setup? Oh, 100%, 100%, man. I think, you know, I don't know, you know, between, you know, work that Neil's done and, and the NFL UK and all of you guys who have been reporting on the sport for so long, I mean, the growth of the sport has been just, it's unbelievable. It's been exponential and it, it, it shows, you know, we have all these, you know, we have that international pathway uh, player program set up and, um, and we have more exposure on TV than ever before. You have people flying from all over Europe coming to now Tottenham to watch the international series. It's, um, the game has just grown exponentially and it's, to me, it, it comes not as much as a surprise but it's just really a, um, it just goes to show the hard work that people behind the scenes have put into the game. Cause I haven't done anything on my end. I've been playing the game. I've just been focused <laughs> on not losing my job. You guys have been really, you know, getting this game out to the public. So I think it really speaks to uh, volumes to what you guys have done to kind of help this game grow. And there's no, I didn't have any doubts that it would grow because it's a great game. When you start to kind of understand the rules and, you know, what the more people over here understand the rules, 
the more they get into the strategy of the game. And I think that that is exciting, you know? We've got a young guy, uh, David Ajabo, yeah. British guy, Scottish lad, yeah. who's obviously drafted in the second round. Could easily have gone first round, you know, but obviously, unfortunately, injury uh, struck. What would your advice to him be if you were to speak to him this summer ahead of training camp? I would tell him, you know, if I could tell him from the moment he got drafted, while well, I'm just speaking in the, in the other room to Neil, that first of all, the draft, if I tell any young kid, it's the least, the least important day of your career. You haven't done, you haven't played football yet in the league. You know, you're being celebrated, but you haven't done anything. Once you're a year into your career, you won't be thinking about the draft ever again from this point forward. Um, for him, I would say, you know, it starts now. Don't take breaks. You know, I think a lot of players, you get drafted, you celebrate. That's cool. Go celebrate for a few days. Go with your family. Go, you know, maybe take a little break, get away, enjoy it, your accomplishments because you deserve it up until this point. But don't take too much of a break. I think that that's one thing that gets lost. You know, a lot of people think that they need to, uh, you know, give their body rest. You do. It is important to rest your body, but don't go out... <laughs> You know, on a on a do like seven all nighters. You know, <laughs> enjoying yourself. Um, you need to focus on the game because your focus, your discipline, will have a direct correlation to how well you do and how your career goes. So don't take too many breaks. Get in the gym now. You know, if you really want to become the best player you possibly can, and he has the potential to become the best Brit that's ever played in the NFL, and you're going to represent a lot of people when you're there, don't take any breaks, man. Take everything seriously. Understand that this is your job, and it doesn't last long, and it will be over before you know it. So, you know, wait till 10 years down the road. Wait till 15 years down the road. However long you want to play for, then you can kind of party. Then you can celebrate. Now it's time to work. And the league is a tough sport, man. There's a lot of, uh, it's, you know, physical sport and it's the strongest man wins. So do whatever it takes, but don't take too many breaks. Get in the gym now. Just start working on your craft now. What was the, the most NFL moment for you off the field? You look back, you're like, oh, it's so NFL. <laughs> oh, man, that's a good one. That's uh I don't know. I don't know if I can say publicly. Uh, no, it's um, you know, probably in Dallas, man. We had a lot of those kind of iconic moments that you might see in a, you know, one of those football movies, like Any Given Sunday or something, when the team kind of all goes out together. I remember. All right, there was one one situation that was pretty NFL. Was that? We, I think we had won about two or three games in a row. Our record was pretty good. It was in my second year with the Cowboys, I believe. And um, we had just beat, I think it was Green Bay, going into a bye week. And so we had a little bit of a break. But we also had our, we have a rookie dinner. And usually we split up rookie dinner like every year you have the rookies will pay for the every like for their position group the olders to go out to dinner and you usually go out to a bar or club afterwards wherever you know and um this time we did the whole team and we had uh, Zeke Elliott as the first round draft pick so he had to cover the bill but we did the entire team so all the draft picks had to pay <laughs> but we went to one of the most exclusive uh you know, steakhouses in Dallas, and we had like, 
I mean, it was, yeah, it was crazy. I remember people like walking through the just main floor of this very nice steakhouse with no shirt on. I mean, there's some <laughs> things that you just, yeah, there's just some moments when I was like, this is crazy. And people were celebrating because it's the Cowboys. And in Dallas, you know, you're, you're a hero. Um, but yeah, man, it was one of those times we all went out, the whole team went out in the town and the rookies were paying for it. And it was a crazy night. And I, I would say, other than that, another time I would say it was on the, the flights coming home from like a victory. Sometimes it got a little crazy on the plane, you know, people playing some music. I look back in the aisle, people in the aisle shooting dice. It was, uh, you know, you know it's just typical, yeah, guys just, you know, having fun. And that's the camaraderie that you miss, you know, this just winning a game on the road, flying back, everybody's celebrating, coach trying to congratulate everybody on a loudspeaker, nobody's listening to him. You know, some of the best memories you have are those, those ones were there. Some nice memories there of the NFL for Jack, although he does admit it was a tough call to call it a day on his career. It's never easy. And, you know, I was speaking to Neil earlier that I, you know, in my head, ending my career coming off a year of injury was especially hard. But looking back on it, there's no easy way to call it a day. And even if you look at Tom Brady after 20 years and winning a Super Bowl, he still can't call it a day. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's hard, man. It's all you've known for the past 10 years, 15 years if you count college or uh, 14 years if you count college. And I've been on a strict schedule and I've always had something to work towards. And now, you know, I'm closing that chapter and looking you know, forward to something else. And I think that, you know, it's, it's never easy. I, I told Neil earlier that I think it's important that I retire on my own terms and I retire from the game before the game retires me. And so it's been tough, but sometimes you just kind of have to let those things go and, uh, you know, look forward to the future. So if Jack Crawford spoke to schoolboy Jack Crawford on the mean streets of London, what, 14, 16 years ago about his career? You may be watching The Time Traveler's Wife. Let's say he's the time traveler. He can go back and speak to that young Jack. What would young Jack say to old man, retired Jack? I was always confident growing up in, uh, in sports. You know, I mean, I played a lot of different sports across the board. Um, honestly, he probably wouldn't have took it that well because I was so focused on basketball. <laughs> he probably would have been a little bit... <laughs> He probably wouldn't have been too impressed, but you know, he, uh, you know, I, I you know, I, I couldn't have imagined it would have went the way it did. And I, I obviously, I'm grateful for every minute that I was able to kind of play a sport at this level, and and to be and to be here right now talking to you guys. I mean, not many guys get to be in this position, so you know, I'm, I'm grateful now. I think I would have been grateful back then too. And uh, it, it goes to show that you never know where life's going to take you. I wouldn't say I, I necessarily have regrets. You know, I think that my career may have taken a, a different path had I been introduced to some coaches earlier than I was. But that's kind of hindsight, you know, that's, that's life. Um, I think every point of my career, you know, I, I had some really, you know, I had some lows, you know, some really low lows in my career and I had some high highs. That's football, you know, you just, it's a roller coaster. But um, I think, obviously, the, the lows are just as important or maybe even more important than the highs throughout the career. So, uh, you know, I, I think that there are certain coaches that had a, 
significant impact on my growth as a player. But um, I wouldn't trade a moment of, uh, of my career for, for any other. So I just wanted to, because you mentioned ups and downs there, and you, you said like, if you make a mistake, you know, the, everybody could be on you. I could imagine the pressure, especially in a franchise like the, the Cowboys. Just talking about the mental health aspects of, uh, of professional sport there. When there are those, that is there the, the support there, or has that improved over the years? Because obviously, mental health is discussed a lot more openly now. So, have, have you seen a transition and a, and a change to, to help athletes on that front? To be honest with you, I think there's two aspects to mental health. I think there's the physical aspect, and then I think there's just the pressure, the stress of the game. And I think the as far as the physical aspect, they've done a lot. The game's come a long way to kind of help players not have to deal, go through, um, take such trauma head to head, you know, in practice, whether it be the gear, the equipment we use, um, and, and even the coaching, you know, we don't teach to lead with your head in this sport, you know, it's dangerous. Um, as far as the mental side of the game is, you know, be it performance, I mean, this is football, man, and it's a, it's a machine. And at the end of the day, we're here to win. Everybody's here to win. And a lot of the time, players handle the pressure differently. Some of the players make excuses. Some of the players become self-destructive. And a lot of players kind of, you know, become very uh, self-critical. And um, it, it, a lot of it comes down to what kind of player you are, what kind of person you are. Um, but, you know, it's tough, man. It's it, like a lot of jobs out there. You everybody's different and I would turn I tend to be really hard on myself when I made mistakes but truthfully looking back on it I think that that was part of the reason that I was able to survive so long in the league because I would obsess over not making the same mistakes twice and I think the some of the best players uh, you know tend to have that quality and some players who have become some players who are very talented I've seen become very self-destructive and you know just live, you know, start partying or start doing things to kind of jeopardize their career because they don't want to handle the pressure. So it's tough, man. It's life. And it's one of those things that I don't think is quite you, you can address on on an individual basis because everybody's so different. Ten years in the NFL, sacking the likes of Tom Brady. Who is Jack Crawford's toughest opponent? Um, I would, I would have to separate them by positions. But honestly, not... It's actually somebody I was teammates with, but I'd have to say Tyron Smith, as an offensive tackle, is not. I, I he's not really human, like when it comes to it. He's he's probably the strongest person I've ever been up against, and I've never been, you know, a, a, a two hundred and eighty pound, um, six foot five grown man felt like a kid before. So, um, yeah, no, he's a he's a different breed of. Uh, of person and he's a yeah he's he's just a phenomenal player and the fact that he makes it to the Pro Bowl pretty much every year or he, he did in the past it never surprised me because he's just that good of a player. That's his toughest opponent. But what about the toughest fans to face on the road? Philly fans by any chance? Um, that's a good one, man. I think honestly, it would have to be. Uh, I think it would have to be maybe uh, in New Orleans. It's pretty tough. New Orleans, their fan base is surprisingly just rowdy, and they, uh, yeah, they they can bring uh, 
they're actually pretty, they get pretty intense in the game and it feels like once they get a little bit of a leeway, a little bit of a, uh, you know, if they get a little bit of an edge on you in the game, the fan base can really make a difference as far as kind of, you know, the momentum of the game and what, you know, how you feel, you know, in the game, you know, you feel almost kind of a little bit overwhelmed by the fan base. A lot of people like to call out the Eagles, and I purposefully didn't because they like that reputation. <laughs> and I hate, I hate giving it to them. They're not, and I think, you know, I, I like to highlight the fact that in, when I played against the Eagles, when we were with Dallas, we would go in there and silence the crowd, and the crowd would turn on their own players. You know, they'd be quick to turn on their own players. So, you know, my experience playing in the, in the Lincoln financial field in Philadelphia has been a good memory to say that you know to say the least but they are a rowdy bunch the philly the philly fans and um you know a lot of the people i went to high school with and the family i lived with in high school they are all philly fans so i i just don't like giving them the satisfaction of uh, being the most rowdy rowdy fan base no love lost there for jack crawford and philadelphia eagles fans uh, you could surely say that he's a true cowboy at heart and speaking of the cowboys playing for the dallas cowboys the biggest sports franchise in the world did that come with any extra pressure i wouldn't say i felt extra pressure but i definitely felt that like i had more eyes on me so you know i could tell just based on how many text messages i received after a game you know be it good or bad not bad but usually people you know reach out to you after a game and when i was with the cowboys we had so many games on prime time that i had you know old college buddies and people i had just you know good friends who i know they would always reach out to me after games and you know i'd always get a lot of feed like i guess people on social media kind of you know messaging me and then obviously as soon as I left the Cowboys and went to uh, Atlanta I lost about 10,000 followers on Instagram so (laughs) that was a good indication too you know. Congratulations once again to Jack Crawford. 10 years as a pro bowler in the NFL is no mean feat. Not bad for a guy from London who set out with a dream of playing hoops. You never know you could have a future in the BBL. Just saying. If you go on to my social media page on Twitter at ARWOTTON, W-O-O-T-T-O-N, you can see the picture of me stood next to Jack. He's a pretty big dude. He put his arm around me. I tried to put my arm around him. Didn't quite reach his shoulders, but there's some pretty big muscles there along the way. I'm not talking about mine. I've got plenty of work to do before I can even be half the man he is. And hearing that story about some of those offensive linemen and his toughest opponents that he's uh, come up against, you see a big guy like Jack Crawford. Man, I'm sure Tom Brady's glad he won't see him again. Thank you very much for downloading the Transatlantic Sports Show. Hopefully you've hit that subscribe button because the whole point of this podcast is to bring you big names such as Jack Crawford. We've had Joe Staley this year. A whole plethora of names and more to come your way. So you don't want to miss out on those great interviews because I like to share the stories from the NFL with you. That's the USP. Take you inside the NFL. And when it comes to the NFL International Series games, take you behind the scenes. We get inside the tunnel. That is to come in October. More and more to come on the NFL International Series. Looking forward to those dates. Hopefully you've got them marked in your calendar. We'll be doing our best efforts to get to Munich as well. So reach out to us on social media. It'd be great to hook up with you out there. We could do a couple of special podcasts in Munich with some of that fine German ale. We'll be back soon with some more stories from the NFL and some more great names.
So until next time, remember, just because you got that ejector button doesn't mean you're going to get out safe. I can see that fighter jet down there in Leicester Square. And I keep thinking of Goose. Talk to me, Goose. Goose.